Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Jokic inside for the lead. Got it. Jokic. Put it up. I think Michael Porter's the second best player on that team. What, today? No. By the end of the season, he's going to be the second best player. Last night, it was the NBA suspending its season after Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz tested positive for the coronavirus. This hiatus will be at least 30 days. Nikola Jokic's father acknowledged that he did indeed test positive. What are you hearing about how he got it and when he plans to return to the States? This thing is so scary. We don't know anything about it. The NBA Board of Governors has approved a 22-team restart in Orlando, Florida at Disney World. Welcome to the Hangtime Podcast. I'm your host, Sekou Smith, here in Atlanta. We are on our way to the restart of this NBA season in Orlando. 22 teams chasing glory, chasing championship. And today we're talking the Denver Nuggets with one of the stars of that team, Jamal Murray, point guard, Kentucky guy. Based on how things look now, man, you've had an interesting four months trying to get prepared for Orlando, obviously. What was your initial thought about restarting the season in the bubble and playing it out all in one place like that? It's a cool concept. It's kind of like summer league. It's just tough when uh, you're not 19 anymore. You know, guys have family, (laughs) guys have kids. You know what I'm saying? Three months being gone is a long time. So that's a huge sacrifice. No guys are making being here, but um, I think it's going to be fun, unique experience, man. I think everybody one day is going to look back on it and say, man, you know, remember that Corona time, remember the time we played in the bubble and everybody can look back on it and say, no, that was, no, it was, it was, it was worth it. It was unique. It was fun. It wasn't ideal for everybody, but uh, we made the most of it. So uh, hopefully we've had a little rough start here, but uh, hopefully it gets a little better. What was tougher during the four months that the season was shut down, getting emotionally and mentally prepare for the bubble or physically being able to to stay in a good space and prepare yourself for what's going to happen in Orlando? Uh, I think the physical is pretty easy. I think it's more mental. The NBA season is a, it's a long season by itself. You know, you drag out a few more months of, of indecision and uh, not knowing what's, what's going to happen, what's going to happen next and where you're going to play or, you know, who's playing. I think that that's the tough part where you, know, you just got to be locked in and um, have the task at hand. You know, we come here, we're going to come in for a reason. We're not just coming to finish the season you know, you know so I think that's tough for being locked in and, not, and knowing you know what we got to do so many people talk about teams that have an advantage you know in the, in that environment you know they say oh a young team you know they come down they got fresh legs they've had all this time off everything should be good then you think well a team that's experienced you know and that's been in the playoffs before will maybe navigate this process better how important was last year's run and the way you guys played and the things you went through in the postseason last year, how important is that now, knowing that this is going to be unprecedented? No, you know, nobody's ever won a championship in this type of situation. It's going to be a lot of fun. We remember us in the playoffs. We remember how well we played and the energy we played with, the fans, the energy. But, you know, like you said, it's going to be different this time. we got to rely on each other. we got to come ready for teams that are going to be fresh, young and old. I just think, you know, we, we have the opportunity. We have that 
that real chance of, of going out there and showing our talent. One through 15, we got a squad, man, and we're going to have to rely on them, you know, especially down the stretch. I know you're a student of the game. I know how hard you worked, you know, on your craft. Did you spend time during these months leading up to the restart studying your own game and kind of looking back at what you did before things shut down, what worked, what didn't, what you could kind of refine with with an opportunity to to restart the season with that break? Yeah. Um, like you said, I studied a lot of my game. I noticed how many shots I pass up from three. Um, you know, just not being ready or, you know, at Kentucky, you know, you knew that was going up, you know, in, in Denver, <laughs> I'm, I'm not putting it up as much. So I'm just kind of getting back to that mentality of, of being shot ready and being, when I get that ball, uh, I'm ready to let it fly so that, you know, the defense has to react to you know, how, how I'm playing. So just all about tempo, you know, there's going to be no fans. It's, it's going to be a whole different game. It's going to be more of a pickup game and probably a little fast paced too. So it's going to be a different experience because you're not going to know, know what to expect and how guys are going to come out. But, now I'm ready for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And at the end of the day, it's just basketball. I would imagine, too, that this is going to be an environment where, you know, most everybody in the league has come up on the circuit playing travel ball of some sort where, you know, you show up to the gym with, a, with your backpack, your shoes, mm-hmm. and you just hoop. That yeah. kind of pure basketball environment. Is that something that, that you think, not just yourself, but maybe some, some other players you know, are looking forward to having – an opportunity where everybody, the entire league, is going to be in the same spot playing games and everybody watching everybody kind of – it's kind of a throwback, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be cool because we're going to have other teams watching, you know, other teams at the game. You know, I think that's going to be, you know, a cool vibe where it's not the crowd going crazy. You might be the other team going crazy reacting to a play. <laughs> you might have a different feel to it, you know. So it's, it's going to be weird, but it's going to be different. It's going to be fun. Um, I think we're all going to have fun the other day. I, and I think it's cool, too, that – like you said, you're not just having to get thrown into it. I mean, how critical do you think, obviously, getting there early, getting some work in, kind of a, a, a second training camp, if you will, then having the seeding games. How important is that for a team that knows it's in the playoffs already to get the right kind of work in during these eight seeding games? No, I think it's very important. I think the NBA did a good job of scheduling games and you know preparing for teams that need to be prepared and um, giving the chance that teams that haven't, Gotten the playoffs, you know, give them a chance to get in. So, I think it goes both ways, giving us a couple, couple games both ways, and um, I think we'll be fine. No, we just need to get our whole team. Here. I know, you know, Joker's still way out there playing with horses and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> taking advantage of the time. But no, I think we'll be fine, man. I know you are one of these uh, fashion experts, man. I know you know you young guys. Y'all got the couture. You show up. Look at runway ready for every game, man. What in the world do you pack for the bubble? Like, how do you go through the wardrobe and get it lined up for the bubble? I just brought a lot of chill stuff. It's rained the past three days since, since <laughs> rain, but I packed a lot of chill stuff. I knew it was going to be hot. There's a lot of stuff that I missed out on that I got to ship over or hop on <laughs> Amazon for. Now, even clothes wise, no express. I have a lot of express stuff here, but being able to dress up, being able to dress down, fit my style. That's what Express is all about for me, you know, being able to show myself in this and in, in fashion. You know, I think, you know, here's everybody's going to have an opportunity to show, you know, what they got in their closet and what they got uh, to games to other players, you know. So it's going to be it's gonna be interesting to see how players uh, try to flex on each other here. Yeah, I heard P.J. Tucker has, like, 60 pairs of shoes that he showed up with and is, is supposed to get more. And I'm yeah. like... That's crazy. I brought, <laughs> I brought four. <laughs> I only brought four, man. I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm like, my slides, 
I'm aware of the like of Yeezys, man. It's like <laughs> keep it simple. Keep it simple, man. Yeah, I think if we look at just the culture of the NBA, and everybody knows it's a brotherhood. You know, you guys, a lot of you guys have played together in college, played together even before you got to college. Um, I think it's going to be such an interesting environment seeing the players interact. Normally in the playoffs, we see the Eastern Conference guys on one side, West on the other, and then they don't meet until there's two left. This is a this is an opportunity, like I said, not just for the, the basketball culture, but for the culture off the court, the fashion and the style. And how excited are you? to not only lock in and get back to business, but also maybe get a chance to to build camaraderie as, as an entire body of NBA players for their Orlando. I think it's cool because it's not just players, it's, it's the staff, it's overseas players, and I'm, it guys from other teams that aren't even from this country, I get to see. So I think it's be fun just to, you know, like I said, just talk and have a conversation with them. You don't get to, we don't play Toronto you know, four times or Indiana four times. You know? So be able to go see those teams and um, see some friends and old, like, Miami, I have a guy, Kyle Alexander, he's my high school teammate. Nas Long, his brother, uh, Eli Long, we played AAU together. So there's a lot of guys I would love to see and, and hang out with. But it's fun that I actually get a chance to come here and you know we can go grab something to eat, we can go golf, we can go hoop, we can go do whatever. So it's going to be a lot of fun to be in a resort-type situation and you know play basketball for a couple months. I know they got barbers and everything else, man. Like, uh, uh, we're going to have teams rocking quarantine beards, high-top phase, like what's – What's the what's the protocol for how guys are gonna take care of themselves in that respect? I think I think guys are gonna keep themselves shaped up. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm still thinking about what I want to do, man. I'm not sure. I don't know if I want to cut it or just rock it out for the rest of the time, but uh, we'll see. Um, I, might, I don't know. Should I? I might just take a poll and just say, you know, should I cut her? <laughs> I'm really struggling right now, man. I'm really struggling. I don't know. Well, look, we appreciate it, man. Look, and if you keep it, just know, like, Warriors keep the beard, man. They go into the playoffs, you know, baseball players, they like to do that, you know. Nothing wrong with NBA players showing up looking a little more mature and distinguished with that facial hair, maybe. Throw yeah. back high top fade, you know, have some <laughs> fun with it. I, I ain't come here since uh, since the Dallas game before the quarantine, so I'm just trying to see how, how far I can go. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, man. We want to see how far the Nuggets go. In this, uh, in this restart to the season, man. We know you're going to be hugely important for that. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time. And uh, good luck to y'all down there at the bubble, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. No doubt. Jamal Murray of the Denver Nuggets joining us here. When we come back here on the Hangtime Podcast, we'll talk to Mike Singer of the Denver Post to get the beat writer's perspective on what's going to happen with the Nuggets in Orlando. Welcome back to the Hangtime Podcast. The Denver Nuggets are our subject, and nobody better to talk about the Nuggets than Mike Singer of the Denver Post, great beat writer. Um, Mike, how are you first and foremost, and uh, what, what's the health and safety report on the Nuggets, knowing that uh, Nikola Jokic tested positive for COVID-19 um, before we get there? Yeah, uh, I'm doing well. Uh, as for Nikola Jokic, you know, frankly, it was kind of a worst-case scenario for the Nuggets. They, he was granted an exception to go back home, to go back to Sambor. You know, we saw him in photos next to Novak Djokovic, who tested positive. He was at an exhibition game where uh, another fellow player tested positive. Uh, and when the Nuggets got this exception for Jokic, for him to for him to stay there beyond the date that you needed to be reporting in market, this was the worst possible scenario. Fortunately, uh, I'm told he's doing well. 
Uh, I think he was asymptomatic when he tested positive. So the question for the Nuggets and for Jokic, obviously their most important player, is are there any everlasting effects from this? And, you know, I'm, I'm not an epidemiologist. I have no idea what the long-term effects are. I'm not even sure that the foremost leading experts in the country know what the <laughs> everlasting effects are or the long-lasting effects are for him, especially uh, for someone who, who's going to presumably put out the exertion, the physical exertion that he's bound to in Orlando. So the Nuggets desperately need him to be healthy. Uh, they need it to be an isolated incident. Um, you saw what he did last year in the postseason. He was tremendous. They need to lean on him if they have designs on going deep in the playoffs again. Yeah, there's no question about that. Mike, he looked great in the in the photos I saw in terms of physically. He just looked slim and trim, like he obviously been working out or doing something to reshape his body um, during the shutdown of the season. I don't, I don't think upset's the right word, but was it a gut? gut punch for the Nuggets to find out that he would not be available right away. Yeah, you know, I do think that he was working out for the majority of time in Denver. Um, up until he left for Serbia um, in the middle of June, he he was working out. He, he I don't know that he had access to the gym before uh, the voluntary workout started, but uh, I was told that it was a, a diet that he adhered to that um, really helped him keep off that weight. He We know he came into this season a little bit out of shape, worked himself into playing shape once we hit December and, and then sort of took off from there um, and, and then just continued that incredible regimented diet that and workout regimen that had made him just a perennial all-star and a guy who's a borderline MVP candidate. So it, it was absolutely a gut punch. I mean, um, you know, outside of I mean, Kevin Durant probably is the biggest name who had it, but he's obviously not participating down in Orlando. So uh, as far as we know of the positive test case, Nikola Jokic is probably the biggest name, um, and therefore it carries the biggest ramifications. It, if this has any lasting effects, um, be it any anything physical, be it in terms of his stamina, you know, obviously they were concerned, but if you want a glass half full, at least, at least it happened now and not when they got to Orlando. Um, so, right. you know, you, they can take a little bit of solace in that. No doubt. This, I, I always say the Nuggets are the best team in the NBA that no one talks about. And I'm talking about Accurate. general fans. Obviously, people in the league know how good they are. This is, this is an interesting seeding games, you know, portion of the schedule for them. Um, they got Miami, OKC, San Antonio, Portland, Utah, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Raptors um, for those final eight games before the playoff starts. Now the Nuggets, 11 and four in games against those teams prior to now, and, and they've lost to the LA teams. Are they the best team not from LA in, in, in this playoffs, you think, in terms of if they're just on paper, all things being equal? Uh, I mean, I, I would give the Milwaukee Bucks definitely the edge over them, but if, mm -hmm. if you're just looking in the West, I think you can definitely make an argument that they're the best team. They're currently the third seed right now going into this. I think that they're the best team outside of the two L.A. teams, and we haven't seen them at their best yet. I mean, in, in talking to Michael Malone, uh, the word that he would con like he would continue to use about his own team was inconsistent. It, it was it was unclear. Um, I mean, their peaks were very high and their valleys were pretty low. Uh, right before the shutdown, they were humbled by the Clippers. I mean, embarrassed. He was obviously pretty upset about that loss. 
So when you look at their schedule, it is a brutal schedule. Um, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It is daunting. At the same time, home court advantage doesn't mean a whole lot. So the fact that they are trying to hold on to the three seed, potentially get up to the two seed, the matchup is so much more important than the seeding. So um, I frankly, I, I don't really think it matters how well they do in that eight game run right before the playoffs. I think really what they want to do is I think they want to get off that three, six line right now, uh, which is currently slated against the Houston mm-hmm. Rockets. I don't think they want the Rockets in the first round. I think they would be more than happy to catch the Mavericks, the Thunder, uh, the Jazz, certainly, uh, any of those teams. But, I mean, the Nuggets are in for it. Like, there is no necessarily easy team in the Western Conference, and they're going to have to uh, scrape and claw uh, to, at minimum, get to the second round. Yeah, and this is a team that, based on what they did last year, you know, you know, you get a game seven on your home floor with a chance to get to the conference finals. So we know they were on the cusp a year ago. In your estimation, did they take the next step that they needed to? Or are you like Mike Malone and, and the inconsistency is something that just didn't allow this team to progress the way you thought they might this season? You know, like I can't ultimately say until the postseason, I thought that, that in that crucible, that's kind of where you you make your, your, your largest judgments and your largest determinations. But what I will say about the Nuggets is that before the shutdown, they were on pace to set the franchise record uh, for road wins. They were 18 and 14 on the road. And I always thought that that sort of spoke to the ability to compartmentalize, the ability to just lean on your teammates, to block out noise. I mean, they had a win in Utah on the second night of a back-to-back with seven players. It, it, was, it was the most unbelievable win I've seen, um, you know, since covering the Nuggets. This is my second season on, the, on this beat. And – it was incredible that they just took down a, a team loaded with, with talent on their home court, a team that's given them trouble in the past. So there were different moments throughout the year where it did feel like they made incremental steps and really sort of leaned on that experience that they, that they got from last year's two game sevens. But frankly, I don't think anybody would dismiss the idea that, that last year's route to the conference finals was not as hard as this year's route's going to be. The Nuggets stay on the three seed, or if they happen to bump up to the two seed, it's going to be very, very tough for them to avoid one of the L.A. teams in the second round, Um, in which case that experience, that talent, everything is going to be tested. Uh, And frankly, I'm hoping we get to see that. One player on this Nuggets roster who kind of keeps me intrigued, not just now, but certainly after the season we've gone through is Michael Porter Jr. Um, His growth and development, it's something that I'm sure Nuggets fans are going to watch for years and years. Where, where is he at in terms of his readiness to be a factor in, in Orlando and, and potentially in a playoff run for this team? It's so interesting. He has had an up and down year. First, he wasn't in the rotation. Then by December and certainly January after injuries hit the team, he really took off. He had his best month of the year in January. And then we were in a gate. We were in uh, Milwaukee, and he rolled his ankle. Uh, I think it was January 31st, and that sort of set him back. Um, he didn't play uh, until after the All Star break, and it, it was only recently that we found out that he was still dealing with uh, the lingering soreness in that ankle injury post All Star break. And during that time, uh, he wasn't necessarily a part of the rotation, which was 
confounding, head scratching, uh, I'm sure infuriating to fans. So Michael Malone very much was, he kept saying his entire, the entire year, Michael Malone's hardest job was getting the team ready for the playoffs while also developing a guy with the obvious raw talent that MPJ has. You know, Michael Porter Jr. was back home in Missouri and he was working out throughout this entire break. He said he had like ample access to the gym. So I have no doubt that he was getting his work in. Um, he says he's completely healthy. So that, you know, if you needed to distill a takeaway from these eight games, I am so curious to see how much Michael Malone relies on MPJ, A, and B, how much he trusts him. Because the offense is there. The offense, I mean, the dude can create. He, he can score in isolation. He, he can knock down from perimeter. He can get to the, to the hole. He can get fouled. He's a hell of a rebounder. Like, he, he, he is a versatile offensive player. The problem with him is on defense. He, he has sort of a hard time with the team concept of defense at this point. And, you know, if you know anything about Michael Malone, it's that the, the defense and, and ensuring that you are in no way a weakness or a liability is of the utmost importance. That's why he will lean on a guy like Torrey Craig, who the defense is rock solid, potentially more so than MPJ. But, you know, to your point, we're going to learn a lot, lot of what the Nuggets and Michael Malone thinks of MPJ these next eight games. Yeah, I mean, easily one of the most intriguing players in the league, if you ask me, in terms of young players and how they develop. So much of, of what's going to happen for the Nuggets seems like it will re rely on the ability of Jamal Murray and, and Will Barton to be X-Factors, to be guys who can score at a high level continue to play at a really high level, at least offensively, to carry this team if they don't have Jokic. Is there somebody else we're missing in that rotation that's going to have a, a, a more integral role to what's going on in, in the case that Jokic is not able to play right away or at the level he's used to? Yeah, I mean, in any circumstance, whether Jokic is healthy or, or whether he's a little bit inhibited, the, the two guys I would lean or I would mention are, are Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant because Paul Millsap has kind of been the anchor of their defense. He has protected Jokic. He, he really, to that team concept, he really has a great idea of how team defense works. Um, you know, he, he is who he is. Paul Millsap is a the consummate sort of veteran presence. Uh, can probably give you 12 to 14 on offense, maybe get you five, six rebounds. But if he plays that defense and, and can sort of anchor and communicate back there, that is a huge luxury. And what was interesting was before the break, Michael Malone started using Jeremy Grant in, in crunch time. And Jeremy Grant's a guy who is obviously skinnier than Paul Millsap, can't necessarily defend those fours down in the post as well as Paul Millsap, but he gives you a ton on offense, can hit from outside, obviously great in transition. Um, and the thing the Nuggets love the most about Jeremy Grant is defensive versatility. He can guard the two through the four. Uh, so I think depending on matchup, Michael Malone is going to sort of tinker with that closing lineup with, with Millsap and Jeremy Grant. And the other thing to note about Grant is that he plays really, really well off Nikola Jokic. So um, those two guys, uh, both for defensive purposes and for offensive versatility, uh, I think are just going to be huge assets regardless of, uh, of Jokic's form. Nice. Mike Singer of the Denver Post here with us on the Hangtime Podcast. All right, that, that, now that was the serious portion of the show, Mike. Now we're going to have a little fun. We're going to the happiest place on earth, right? So somebody's got to have the keys to the Magic Kingdom, and, and we're going to find out what yours are for the Nuggets when we come back. Oh, boy. 
Okay. Welcome back to the Hang Time Podcast. We are here with my man Mike Singer from the Denver Post, the Nuggets beat writer. And we are in the, the lightning round portion of the show here, Mike. We know that everybody is focused on Orlando. And if you're going to Orlando, somebody's got to have the keys to the Magic Kingdom to get you around. So we're, we're trying to find out what's going to make these Nuggets tick. So first and foremost, Beauty and the Beast, Mike. Which matchup in the playoffs is the beauty matchup for the Nuggets? They want the Jazz. They want the Jazz in the first round. They, I think they have the mental edge over them. Uh, and obviously, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, that injury hurts the Jazz. So I, I think that they, by no, by, they are absolutely not scared of, of what Utah brings to the table. Hmm. So what's, what's the flip side of that? What's the beast matchup for the Nuggets? Who do they want to avoid at all costs? Excluding the L.A. teams, which I think is an obvious answer, uh, they don't want to deal with the Houston Rockets. The The Nuggets did not see the Rockets after they traded Clint Capella, so they have not seen the Rockets in their new form. Uh, that does not mean that James Harden and Russell Westbrook, that does not mean that those that tandem cannot just pick apart the Nuggets from the perimeter in the lane. Michael Malone said earlier this year that James Harden might be the hardest guy he's ever had to game plan for. So they want no part of the Rockets. They, they and several other teams probably want no part of the Rockets in Orlando. The genie uh, in a bottle uh, in Orlando, and this is one of my favorite ones here. If you could grant the Nuggets three wishes heading to Orlando, what would they be? Oh, wow. Uh, I, they're going to need to be healthy. Uh, so Jokic is going to need to be, uh, is going to need to get right completely. They're going to need Gary Harris of two years ago when the dude averaged 17 points a game. They're going to need that Gary Harris, not the one who is scuffling this year and his confidence seemed to leave, seemed to be a little bit shaken. They're going to need the guy who's a lockdown two-way player, can, can hit from outside, and he could really be that third spoke uh, in terms of him playing off of Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. And last one, man. All right, all right, we'll go. We'll, we'll go. MPJ. I mean, if if he can play defense and he and Michael Malone trusts him, he changed the offense. He raises the Nuggets' ceiling from a second round team to a conference finalist team if he is playing at his peak, which is again what we saw when he was rolling in January. Right. Happiest place on earth, as I mentioned, that bubble, that environment, everybody living together. Who's the most likely to take the player lounge ping pong too seriously for the Nuggets? Seriously, it might be Jokic, but <laughs> I mean he—he's he, a player. But I'll tell you, uh, Jamal Murray is—he's he, a gamer too. And I'll give you my dark horse ping pong is Paul Millsap. I've actually played Paul Millsap, and we won't talk about who won. But uh, <laughs> I, I'll just tell you, dude has game. Okay, I'll take your word for that. And I know Millsaps, is, I know he's an old school cat, so I'm sure he loves ping pong. Which Nuggets will be the rowdiest fan at an opposing team's game in Orlando? This, I know everybody knows each other in this league nowadays. Guys have connections that go way back to when they were, you know, nine, ten years old playing travel ball. Who's, who's going to be the Nugget that's in there going crazy at somebody else's game? Uh, can we get an exception for Isaiah Thomas to come back on the Nugget squad? <laughs> that dude yaps. And I think if the Nuggets could increase their travel party to 36, they might invite IT just to rattle everybody else. 
Perfect. Perfect. Mr. Incredible, who, and we've talked about a couple of different guys, but who do you think is the single most X-Factor guy that you could come up with on this roster in Orlando if things go the way they're supposed to? So I'm going to go Jamal Murray. And the reason why is I think it's unquestioned that Nikola Jokic is their most important player, but the Nuggets can win a championship with Nikola Jokic as their best player. What will determine how far they can get is how consistent Jamal Murray is. I mean, last year was his first playoff run. He had some unbelievable games. He saved the Nuggets against the Spurs. Um, but he also had some duds. So if Jamal Murray can sort of weather the storm and, and bring it every night, average something 17, 6, and 4 uh, throughout the entire playoffs and, and really you know, not just let go of the rope on any night, uh, I think he is the guy that raises their ceiling. Everybody's going Orlando, you know, to Orlando with, with dreams in their eyes, fairy tale endings. Hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy if what happens in Orlando? All right, I'm just going to take you through a dream scenario. They, <laughs> they get the two seed going into the playoffs. The Clippers fall to the four seed. So that second round, the Lakers and the Clippers go at it. One of them knocks the other out, and then somehow the Nuggets get past the winner of that series for their first ever NBA Finals experience. Um, that's, that's my dream scenario. I don't, I'm not even going to worry about how they deal with Giannis in the finals, but let's just get him to the finals first. <laughs> that's, that's the nightmare scenario, dealing with Giannis in the, in the finals, but you're right. That is dream scenarios that Nuggets fans will love. Mike Singer of the Denver Post joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast as we dial in and dig deep on each and every team headed to Orlando for the July 30 restart of this NBA season. Mike, I appreciate you. Looking forward to reading all your stuff. Um, and, and we'll see what happens with these Nuggets as we move forward. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Thanks, man. We appreciate you joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Again, we're coming to you in the lead up to the restart of the NBA season, July 30th in Orlando, with details on each and every team. Make sure you check it out. <laughs>